Hey, welcome to the Doc Washburn Show and podcast. We're so thankful that you joined us here today. And uh, it is uh, May the 19th on this uh, Thursday. And uh, we are going to be talking about a couple of things here. We're going to also hit a few things in the news. I want to make a couple of programming notes uh, for you, if I may. One of those is that uh, we, we've had some uh, constructive criticism about the when we play the commercials, also when we play music on the show or clips, that it's not as clear, and I apologize for that. Again, I am at uh, my home studio, and I don't have the quite the same quality of setup as Doc has. We are working on that. Uh, not that I'm going to be, you know, long term doing this because we certainly want Doc back. And uh, he's wrapping up the campaign uh, Monday and Tuesday. May take off Wednesday, and then he'll be back next week for sure. Uh, and we're anticipating, you know, doing well in the campaign, obviously, and having to hit the road again, uh, for the general, but there'll be some, there'll be some time there, uh, that he'll have. And, uh, but, but while we're doing that, we're going to work on getting a setup here, uh, won't be quite the, the, uh, extensive, uh, studio that he has, uh, but it will definitely be better than what I have here. I'm kind of just, Make and do. So I appreciate so much your, uh, you know, your patience and, and everything. It means, means the world, uh, to me. And I just appreciate you so very much. Um, but again, we're so thankful to have you. Uh, I am Donnie Copeland sitting in for Doc Washburn. And, uh, we're just thankful that you have made, uh, this podcast your, uh, your, uh, choice. And uh, we're going to da- dive right in. I want to start off uh, today. I've got a great piece uh, that I'm going to do a little bit later. And it is, uh, I want to do a little bit about the idealist versus the pragmatist. I think I actually li- listed it as the pragmatist versus the idealist. And uh, there is a, there's a great uh, two-minute clip or so that I'm going to pray, uh, play for you. Here a little bit, and I'm ho- hopefully I think I've got this to where you can hear it a little better, and so I apologize if it's not uh, just the very best, uh, but I think it'll definitely be clearer than it has been uh, previously. We've done a few little tweaks, and again, we're going to do an upgrade here and uh, make it a little better for you. So, uh, again, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for your patience with me, and uh, I know Doc is the is the pro. And, uh, I'm, you know, I'm just filling in. He's so good to send me, if you can see my Twitter, not my Twitter feed, my, my text feed. Uh, he's constantly sending me, uh, articles and, and things to, um, you know, to pass on and just ideas. He never tells me what to talk about. He never says, Hey, don't talk about this. Do talk about that. He's super good about that. Just, Anyway, but I'm, I'm certainly ready for him to be back and I know you are as well, but, uh, here we are and I'm just thankful to, uh, to, to be sitting in for, for Doc. Uh, again, for some that may or may not know, uh, Doc is running for the governorship of the state of Arkansas and he's running against Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh, and her 14, I don't know what it is now, 14 and a half million dollars or probably getting close, if not over 15 million. Um, and, and yet we have ran a phenomenal, phenomenal campaign. We have almost 200 volunteers. 
Uh, we have probably one of the best social media teams anywhere. Uh, and uh, it's just people that care a lot about freedom and, uh, you know, have a lot of respect for what Doc is doing. I'm going to tell you, I, I've been doing this a long time. I've been running campaigns and, and campaigning myself uh, for the last 12 years, uh, you know, a lot. And uh, I've not met a better candidate. You can have great candidates that, that don't, don't want to work that hard. And then you have guys that will work like a dog, but they just don't have the, 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 the capacity and the communication skills and all that. Well, in doc, you have both. You have someone who is a phenomenal communicator, uh, who is rip rock conservative, gets it, knows how to communicate it. Uh, Russell Limbaugh said many times that, you know, that conservatives, it's not that we don't have the right message. It's that we don't know how to communicate it. Doc communicates it wonderfully. And then, uh, which I've never doubted his work ethic, but uh, he's just, I mean, cause he's always done the, he's, he's never mailed in a show. He's always really, really diligent in his preparation and so forth. But I have just been blown away. Uh, I've, I've not seen a candidate yet anywhere work as hard as he's worked. I think we figured out tonight he and his driver, myself, were on the phone. And they were driving back, you know, uh, uh, last night from somewhere to Queen, Arkansas. And we were talking about it. And I think they, somewhere between 10 and 12,000 miles they put on uh, the car in, in the last nine, a little, almost a hundred days. And that's, that's unbelievable. A hundred days. What is that? That's a hundred miles a day. Uh, right. Yeah. A hundred miles a day. They, they've averaged a hundred miles a day every single day. Uh, and he, he's really campaigned seven days a week. It's, it's just been unbelievable, but it's been super, super, uh, fulfilling and to see people working. I was, I was telling, uh, Someone, I was actually telling my wife the other day that I have a, um, you know, I get emails when we get an online donation and those are coming in, you know, constantly. And, and, you know, we've had hundreds upon hundreds of donations nationwide because Doc has been on so many shows and of course been on Mark Levin, but then the podcast being in all 50 states. Some of you, a lot of you have been so fantastic about this and we're just so very thankful but i got a donation uh, i say i i got the the notice and it was from michigan from a farmer and he gave five dollars and i don't know man that just that touched me i, I actually it touched me so that i i picked up the phone i called the guy and he didn't answer but i just left him a message and i said man i just want you to know how much that meant because i knew Probably, you know, if he was sending five bucks that, you know, he did, he, you know, if he had had more, he would have sent it. And, uh, it just, you know, and I've seen, you know, $10 and $20. And, uh, so I'm just, just overwhelmed. And then we've had people that have just given, you know, a lot of money, you know, thousand, two thousand, uh, 2900, which is the limit. And I'm just, just overwhelmed by, uh, the, the, you know, the, the work, the generosity, the, the camaraderie. I mean, we've had virtually zero dissension or anything, you know, uh, we have a few little dust ups, but they were so minor, 
just little miscommunication things and got them just ironed out and worked out. And I mean, and maybe two or three at the most and, and none of them were like, you know, major blow up things at all, uh, which is just, that's unbelievable. And, uh, just very, very thankful, uh, very thankful for, uh, this opportunity. And then, you know, I, I saw him doc tonight, uh, I've, you know, I was, he, he, he had me as the campaign chairman and then we brought on some just phenomenal people real fast that are far superior than anything I could have ever done. So I've just really been kind of guiding the ship, uh, me and, and another guy by the name of Scott Gray and, um, and, and he and I just make pretty much every decision mutually together. And, uh, man, it's just, it's ran phenomenal i mean just phenomenally and i'm just 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 so so thankful and i've I spent enough time on that but just i want to thank all of you our our listeners uh all the people out there it's just been a great great run looking forward you know i feel good about the future i, I told doc tonight i said i think you know when you run this good a campaign you know regardless of what happens we know the odds we were up against man we're you know we Whatever happens Tuesday night, there's going to be great that comes out of it. And I, and I think Tuesday night's going to be, could be very, very interesting, you know, very interesting. Uh, and so I'm just, I'm very thankful. Um, you know, tonight, of course, as always, we're brought to you by our great sponsors, Red River Your Way, uh, Justin Minton Law, uh, MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, uh, Jonathan Presswood with Edwards Jones Investing and then TurnMyPowerOn.com. And uh, we're just so thankful for all of our uh, sponsors and then thankful for you. I want to talk to you tonight. I want to, I want to go into, and then we're going to get into some of the news items as well uh, that I think are really great. I'm not going to be in a big hurry tonight. We're going to, we're going to just, just have some, or today, and just have some, some, some fun and, and, uh, talk about things and, and just kind of explore some different things. But, you know, I was thinking about, it's, it's kind of human nature with us, with, um, with, and, and just hear me out here, okay? So we had one, on one level, we, the polished politician, and not just politicians. I think you could fit ministers into this. You could fit doctors into this. We like our professionals, our people that carry a lot of responsibility. We like for them to be polished. There is a, a, a desire for, uh, someone being refined and, and polished. Um, I'll give you an example that, um, there is a study out about presidents. And, and, and it's, it's, it's phenomenal, uh, because I love sociology and psychology anyway, and just why people think the way they do, how they think, how they think in reaction to other people, which is, you know, sociology and the, the science of people. And, uh, that, that typically people will vote for the, for me, um, regarding men, they'll vote for the taller man. And then for women, they'll vote for the slimmer, more attractive woman. Uh, and, 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 and then for men, uh, the, the first thing is height. The second thing is, is presentability. And, 
and if you think about it, when you see a doctor, you know, a doctor comes in and man, his hair's all messed up and his collar's turned up and he doesn't like he's bathed and, you know, beard and, and, uh, you know, not, not like, uh, cool scruffy or cool underdressed, but frumpy and it, you all of a sudden it, you lose some confidence. Now that guy may, or that lady may be the, the most accomplished physician on the face of the earth, but but you don't feel that by what you see. So it is with politicians. So it is with ministers. Uh, we like our uh, professionals, and and I use that word carefully when I say professionals, especially relating to ministers, uh, because but but it is a place of trust. So let me let me rephrase that. We like for our people who are in positions of of great trust and accountability are our trust of of uh, that, that we put a lot of trust in uh that that they uh are uh we, we weigh their decisions what they do very heavily and it's a big influence in our life I, I, that's all I, how all the way i know how to say it doctors lawyers um Probably lawyers are a little less just because of the nature, but we'll throw them in there. Ministers, politicians, we like them to be polished. And, and a lot of that was uh, Barack Obama was very polished. You know, Joe Biden opined on that, if you remember. But he was very polished. He was very well-spoken. He was very presentable. Uh, and so somehow... People can actually not hear the message being said because he told you he was going to fundamentally, you know, change America. He told he told you that. And and here's the bottom line. A lot of black people voted for Barack Obama because they wanted to be, you know, they wanted the first black president in history. And so definitely, I think 98 percent of the black voters that actually voted, voted for Barack Obama. Um, but yet you'll, you'll hear a lot of those voters and I'm not going to say a majority, but a lot of those, it's not anywhere near 98% says he did a great job. It's, it's more in the, uh, probably I'm, I'm talking about among the black population, uh, probably, you know, 75%, uh, and it, and it may be lower that, uh, I mean, go to, go to Michigan. And ask them how they think about it. Remember when he pulled that stunt, went to Michigan when they had the, and it was in Lansing, they had the problem with the water and people were, you know, getting sick and I think he'd been dying from the water and he gets, he, he goes to this press conference. Everybody's there thinking, you know, man, finally we got a president's going to stand up for us and he's going to, uh, it wasn't Lansing. It was, it was Flint, Flint, Michigan. Uh, I knew it was more industrial. Lansing's a beautiful place. Flint's more industrial, blue collar and urban. <clears throat> and so he, he goes there, remember, and he, he does this. He, I want some water. I want some water. And there was, you know, he, they could have got him by, I want water in a glass. I want water in a glass. In other words, I want it out of the tap. And he drank that water right there in front of everybody. And a lot of those people, there's hundreds of people there. A lot of people, majority, you know, 98% of them probably were black. And they said they just felt like somebody slapped them in the face because they, they asked him to come to Flint to, to highlight the problem and to get somebody to listen 
to these Democrats that had ran Flint, ran into the ground, and and they wanted somebody to come and say, hey, look, and what better uh, person to come than the President of the United States? And here's a, a urban, a black, a predominantly black community with a black president, and they're hoping he'll come and and stand up for him. And he drinks the water, basically saying, you guys know what you're talking about. And and still to this day, not sure why he did that, why he basically slapped him in the face, unless it was, you know, to the mob bosses and the political bosses in Flint. But, you know, I mean, Flint's not a small place, but you can see that in New York, you can see that in L.A., but Flint, you know, but who knows? But people felt so betrayed. Well, there's a lot of black people felt betrayed afterwards. It wasn't anywhere near 50 percent or anything like that. But he, but he, my point being is that he got 98% of the vote, uh, in, in the election. I think the first one, a little less than the second one among the black population. But now if you go back and you look, a lot of black people said, you know, he, he didn't do anything for us and he didn't. He, he made racism worse. But here's the thing. But, but the point I was making, I took five minutes to make the point. Uh, and I'm going to continue on because this is to me fascinating, at least for me. So y'all just indulge me here. Um, but, uh, the reason that Barack Obama was elected was not because of black people. Black people, there's not enough black people in America to elect a president. 16% of the population is black. Uh, white people have to get on board if a black person, uh, becomes president. And a lot of white people voted for Barack Obama. Now, uh, probably his education, a Harvard grad, uh, Columbia Law School, um, you know, a, a sitting U.S. senator, uh, a state senator. But uh, I think he'd been a state senator for a couple of years, a U.S. senator for 15 minutes, eh, a little longer than that, but not much. Uh, it was in the months, maybe, maybe one, I don't, it wasn't a term, maybe a year or two at the most. If I remember right, I'll look it up, uh, during the, the break. But, uh, he, um, uh, you know, he was elected because he looked the part. He looked like a president. He looked like in their mind what a, uh, a black man would look like who would become president. But I promise you, if black or white, but but we're talking about a black president being elected by white people. If if we were to come in in a FUBU outfit with gold chains everywhere, pinky rings on, you know, a fur hat, uh, you know, driving a, you know, Eldorado, and uh, you know, uh, if it had been Kanye, he he wouldn't have uh, he wouldn't have gotten. The, the, the votes he got. He looked like a president. And so that's not the only reason they voted for him. Uh, the, the, certainly the black people voted for him because he was black, but a lot of white people voted for him out of guilt. Man, we gotta, I gotta vote for, you know, if we don't elect him, then, you know, we're going to be called even more racist than we are. But what really put him over the top was that he looked the part of a president. He looked polished. He sounded polished, very, and, and really, I mean, and I, he was in, he was in, very intellectual, uh, but, but way, way, way over his head. And it was a disaster. 
you know, quite honestly. Uh, and if he'd have been a great president, you know, I, I would just say he was a great president, but he wasn't. I mean, I have no problem when, when a Democrat's a good president saying they're a great president, but, uh, you know, even though I may not agree with a lot of their policies, I think Bill Clinton did a lot of good. And there's a lot of stuff there with the housing, a lot of stuff that he did that he doesn't get blamed for, that he should be blamed for. But but he's probably the best Democrat president in at least in recent for sure in recent history. Uh, and you'd have to go back probably, I mean, way back to find a better Democrat, but it's because of their ideology that they're just typically so terrible because they're, they're not based in reality. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. So, um, so anyway, I'm, I'm going back to this polishness and, and, but that's not just Democrats and that's not just uh minority or black candidates. Uh, I'm going to use another black candidate but I'm going to, uh, you, it's an opposite argument. And that is, um, Kathy Barnett in, um, Kathy Barnett in, um, Pennsylvania, who finished quite distant third, shockingly. But, uh, I want you to see, and I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a antidote, an antidote, uh, that will, 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 prove my point here in a little bit. I think I'll save that for after the break. But uh, that I've seen I've seen um, races that you would not believe what determined those races. We love to think it's the debates. We love to think it's the campaign slogan or the logo. Uh, and, you know, and granted, Obama had a phenomenal logo, a phenomenal look as far to their campaign. Everything was really, really super well done, probably better than anything I've seen from any candidate as far as graphics and and all of that. Um, but uh, and, and see, we, we are so enamored by the flash, by the polish uh, and we are easily taking it. That's that's why Ponzi schemes work. Listen, a Ponzi scheme doesn't have some guy, some low life that's got, you know, dandruff all over his shoulders and, you know, looks like a grifter. No, no, it's, 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 you know, we, we, the packaging, we, we buy packaging in America and it, and it many times to our demise because we don't research, we don't go beyond, we don't dig into. And a great example of that is Pennsylvania, you know, no, you know, David McCormick was very, uh, you know, he, he wore, he, he's a hedge fund manager. He's a multi, multi millionaire. And, uh, you know, he wore the typical, uh, hunting, you know, nicer hunting type jacket with the jeans and shirt and, you know, dressed down to look like the Everman, you know, you know, the, the common man. And here's a guy that's a hedge fund manager worth multi-millions, you know, multi-millionaire. Then you got Dr. Oz, who's a, who's a celebrity and he's just got just name recognition out the wazoo. Uh, but then you have Kathy Barnett and Kathy Barnett would say some things that were kind of a little, you know, out there. Uh, 
but but they were all factual. There are always, you know, dead on. It's just not things you can say in today's climate, probably ever again, quite honestly. Um, but you know why Kathy Barnett? I, I'm going to tell you, Kathy Barnett didn't lose because she's black. Kathy Barnett certainly didn't lose because she was a woman. Kathy Barnett lost because, A, she didn't have as much, as much money as David McCormick. And, uh, see, here's one of the big things people don't realize about the money in politics. You say, well, you know, if you get your message out, well, one, you gotta get, you gotta go viral online because you're not gonna ever get, Doc has not gotten any coverage. He got, he got a, a couple of TV interviews today, which blew my mind. He's gotten, you know, a few, a few more lately, but it's because we have a million views on YouTube. A million, a million, probably three or four hundred thousand of those are unique. In other words, those are three, there's three or four hundred thousand individuals that has watched over two point something uh, of his videos. So a total viewership of a million, which is unheard of on a YouTube channel. It's, it's just like phenomenal. So, uh, here's, here's the bottom line is, um, Kathy Barnett didn't have a hundred, she had 137,000. Now, Club for Growth dropped two million on her race, probably more than that. But, but the, the problem with a independent expenditure group like Club for Growth, they've got to talk strictly about, uh, policy. They can't do a lot of, you know, personal endorsement and all that. It's more about policy and comparison and that type of thing. They've got some pretty strict parameters. But here's another thing they can't do. And here's where money matters is because what, what David McCormick and what, uh, Oz, uh, Mayman Oz knows is they, they could say, and that's exactly what they did over the last week. They could say, Kathy Barnett's a serial killer. Well, they could spend a million dollars with a TV ad, radio ads, uh, Google, Facebook uh, ads, and just blanket it for one week. Kathy Barnett's a serial killer. And see, the difference between money and not having money, if, if everything's equal and you're running real smart and you're running real sharp, then you know, and, and handling your money real good because big campaigns blow a lot of money on consultants and, you know, uh, catered dinners and they, they just by, by just the nature of it, they blow a lot of money. So a, a much smaller campaign can run a much better, I mean, can run a competitive campaign, you know, uh, if the money is one to 10 or so, you get up past one to 10. I think we're at 140 to one for every $140 they have. We've got one buck I'm talking about Doc's campaign. Uh, so she's at, well, she was actually worse off than us because she was, she is facing two candidates. I think they ended up spending like 36 million, uh, against her. She had 137,000. So she was, um, you know, she was, you know, uh, one to 36. We were one to 40, uh, something like that. No, no, she's probably one to 70, one to, one to 80. So for every dollar she had, uh, they were, no, 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 180. So she was, for every $180 they got, she had a dollar. For every $140 we get, we get a, we had a dollar. Uh, but, uh, she, you know, so, so they dropped all this, trash on her seven days out. Here's the thing about a small campaign. You can't respond because see, it takes money 
to get a, a reply out. You, you got to have money. The reason that President Trump, uh, when they would hit him, he would come back twice as hard, but he had money to come back twice as hard. Uh, if, um, if somebody has a megaphone and they're, they're hollering to a group of people and they've got a $10,000 sound system and there's a huge group of people there. Okay. So use this analogy that we're in a stadium and they're, you know, uh, and, and there's, uh, uh, you know, Wembley Stadium, and there's what, 80,000 people. And somebody gets on the loud, you know, the, the microphone system or PA system and says, you know, uh, so and so is a serial killer. And then they cut off the micro, they cut off the sound system and, and pull it all out. So that person is screaming to 80,000 people just with their voice. I'm not a serial killer. Only a few people in the front row hear them. See, see the analogy? So what they do, they drop the, the bomb on you. They drop trash on you. And, uh, and, and then you can't recover. And, and then they say things, you know, she said a few things about, uh, ethnic groups and, and stuff like that. That was absolutely true, but you just can't say, but they framed it. And then she, she was criticizing Black Lives Matter, but, and, and it, they had a video where she was criticizing Black Lives Matter, but they cut it off, played that ad nauseum, and, and it made it sound like she was uh, she was praising Black Lives Matter, and uh, she was advocating for funding the police, and she said something like, you know, anybody that says defund the police is nuts. Well, they cut out anybody that says they cut that out, and is nuts, and they they kept. Uh, defund the police. So she's saying in her own words, defund the police. Well, you drop a half a million dollars uh, on that, you know, again, the Wembley Stadium uh, analogy, and somebody gets on a PA and spouts it off, um, and then they cut off the microphone because she didn't have the money to go on TV, radio, and denounce it. You know, she can go on a few news shows, and that's it. And so it was like game, set, and match. Oh, she, you know, she defunded the police. And here's the thing. I'm going back to the polish part is you look at her. She's kind of, um, I mean, very presentable. Not, don't get me wrong, but you know, kind of uh, common, uh, when I say common, not in looks, but in just, you know, not wealthy, not, you know, not high roller like David McCormick, not a celebrity like Oz. And so people start with the negativity says, Oh, David McCormick, he looks like a senator, you know, uh, and some of that you, you've got to do some of that. You know, you gotta, you gotta wear, you know, a blue blazer. You gotta wear slacks. You gotta wear the right shoes. You can't wear dockers, you know, uh, and, and, but the substance, but see, here's the thing. People, people don't dig in and say, okay, you know, he, he's got on a windbreaker, uh, but, you know, but still. But then on the other hand, you have uh, the – and Democrats are this way. I mean, Democrats actually are attracted to the frumpy. They're, they're attracted to a candidate, the guy that's run in Pennsylvania on the Democratic side. He looks like Bill Belichick. You know, I mean, he's got shorts on, uh, hoodie. Uh, and so see, he's, he's the 
the antagonist or the antithetical of the of the uh, p- polished politician, and and really that's honestly that's the only way that that he's probably got a prayer is to that's how he gets attention, you know. And and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that's that's how he gets noticed. Is oh this guy's different, you know. But uh, what, what we as Americans we tend to and and honestly that's why he won't win is because he doesn't look like a senator. There will be Democrats, mark my word, there will be Democrats that will vote. These are swing voters or are just right of, you know, I mean, left of center, definitely, but uh, votes Democrat, but they're closer to the center than they are anything. They will not vote for him. You know why? Because they like his policies better than they do uh, Oz or McCormick. But he doesn't look like a senator. And, and so there is something to it. You know, it's just, it, it, it is. And, uh, I think for, it, th- there's an old saying, style over substance. And, and I think a lot of times we put, you know, we put style over substance. And, uh, and so we do that a lot with our politicians. We, we really do. We, uh, probably far, far too much. And so, uh, you know, I look so often at, at political candidates and this candidate is, he's a better candidate. He's got, and, and, and people will say stuff like, yeah, but the other guy, you know, he's, he's on this committee, this committee, this committee. Well, he doesn't believe anything you believe. He, he's, he's poked you in the eye every chance he's gotten, you know, yeah, but man, he just, you know, he wears blue blazer and wears button down blue shirt. He just, you know, his khakis are already cr- always crisp and his slacks, you know, his, his dress pants are always sharp and his shoes are already shine. And man, his family, uh, it just looks so nice. You would not believe how many times we've heard this. Now, you know, again, we're, we're, we're hearing a lot more people say they're voting for us and us being Doc Washburn. But the people that says they're voting for Sarah Huckabee Sanders, you know what they say? I mean, I, I'm not making this up. They said, well, you know, man, I, I don't know. She just looks like such a good mother. They're watching a TV commercial. Good night. Uh, and she just seemed like she, her and her family so happy. And, uh, I love their beautiful home. And, uh, I, I, you know, I just, I don't know. See, this is that. It, it, it's Camelot. That's exactly what it is. It's Camelot. And so uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you a, uh, a story that is a great antidote or supporting uh, about that when we come back. And uh, we're going to take a break and be right back. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize it's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. 
Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live, redriveryourway.com. You will be glad you did. Let me once again express how thankful we are to our advertisers. I want to mention a couple of them to you. They make it possible for us to do what we do. Like my friend Justin Minton, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton in Benton. Now, Justin's a former insurance adjuster who left the insurance industry to become a private lawyer, founded the Minton Law Firm to help injured people fight against powerful insurance companies and corporations. And he has sure helped me out with the three automobile accidents I've been in since 2019. The Minton Law Firm has a great team of lawyers, including the 2016 Trial Lawyer of the Year and the 2016 Outstanding Young Lawyer of the Year. The insurance companies take Justin Minton and his team of lawyers seriously because they know they can and will take your case to trial if need be. So whether you want to go to trial or settle out of court, it's a really good idea to have a knowledgeable trial attorney on your side. Justin's team aims to bring justice to clients who have been injured and need somebody to stand up for them. No matter what the injury, Justin Minton... Make sure the Minton Law Firm always works hard for you. Whether you're in a car wreck, hurt of the job, or you or a loved one is suffering from the carelessness of another, if you're in Arkansas, Justin Minton Law, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton, is here to help you. Just call the Minton Law Firm, 501-943-4195, or visit justinmintonlaw.com today. You know, we've seen this with... Um Again, we're talking about the polished politician and the disappointment of the polished politician. And we're seeing this with uh, almost every uh, every um, incumbent. We see this. Well, they, they look the part. Yeah, they keep looking the part. They, they're dressed. They got the, you know, they got the right suit on. They got the right uh, tie. They've got the right look. Uh, they're polished. They say the right things. And man, they're so articulate. And we're, you know, when, when they do those things, man, we say, man, they're from our state. That's, that's my governor. That's my whatever. And yet so often their policies are totally antithetical to, uh, to our policies. And, and so, uh, would you rather have, See, we want style and substance. We want style, substance, and integrity. We want style, substance, integrity, and in this case, conservatism. And and it's almost like, okay, that man, they're real conservative. How many times have you heard this? Well, I don't think they can win. Well, they can't win if you don't give them money. They can't win if you don't vote for them. Well, I just don't think they can win. Why, why do you not think they can win? Well, you're going by the car they're driving. You're going by what their family looks like. You're going by how polished they are, not by, man, this guy believes in the Second Amendment. This guy believes in the First Amendment. This guy believes in the founding uh, 
fathers, principles, the Constitution. Man, he would he would die before he gave it up. But his shirt's wrinkled. He you know he works at at you know a factory. Oh, we we man, he's just not. You know what? We have come to respect or to embrace, not respect at all, to embrace the polished politician. And I think some of that is, I think it's steeped in pride. Uh, and, and I don't say that, I don't say that at all, point my finger at you, I, I look at all of us. And, uh, if, 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 I'm just sitting here thinking, if, if we had two candidates, and, um, Joseph, uh, let's say, uh, Hawley, and, 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 uh, from, from Missouri. And you've got him. And then you've got, um, let me use, um, let me just use a fictional guy. But you got a guy that, you know, stood with President Trump, rain or shine. And Hawley has, so he's probably, that's probably not a, it's probably not, but he's a real sharp guy, he's real sharp dress, you know, uh, sharp, uh, just overall guy. And, and he could be a little left, Josh, Josh Hawley. I, I was going to look it up and then it hit me. Um, but he could be a little left of center and there's a lot of people that would vote for him over somebody that wasn't quite as presentable, nice looking, nice dressed, real sharp guy. It's just something about that, that, that elicits some kind of confidence and some kind of, it does something psychologically to us. And, and just to be quite honest, uh, it has not served us well. It has not served us well. Uh, 2014, uh, there's a friend of mine that ran for, um, governor. And, uh, against Asa Hutchinson. And, uh, his name was Curtis Coleman. And some of you from Arkansas, you'll remember Curtis. Curtis, very intelligent guy. Uh, very, um, very conservative. Uh, very, uh, sharp in every way. But here was Asa Hutchinson, who, you know, real slim, uh, you know, real polished, uh, and, and yet everybody in Arkansas, you can hardly talk to any, I'm talking about primary voters now. I'm not talking about people that not, don't, that doesn't have a clue, but primary voters that follow this even halfway close would tell you Ace is no conservative, but they voted for him. And, and people would vote for him that knew that he wasn't conservative. And, and I would hear him say stuff like, well, I just don't think, uh, uh that Norm, uh, Norm, that, uh, Con- uh, Curtis, sorry, Curtis can win. Well, you didn't vote for him. How do you know he couldn't win? What you really meant to say was he doesn't look as much like a governor as Asa. That's why you voted for Asa. You knew Asa was a liberal. You knew Asa would stab you in the back. You knew Asa. Man, his first day or first week on the job, we had Medicaid expansion here that Mike Bibby had introduced. And he's, he campaigned on ending Medicaid expansion. I'm, 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 
uh, or he, no, no, he didn't campaign on it at the, after, after he took over. We're ending Medicaid expansion. Uh, and he goes out there and, 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 and said, I'll be at UAMS. We're going to have a big, uh, press conference. He got there and you know what he did? He said, we're all offering a new program called Arkansas Works. It was the exact same program. Exactly. I don't think if it did, it didn't last long and wasn't much to it. I don't think that the thing even is called Arkansas Works. I don't think it even had a work provision in it. It was the exact same program. But you know what? He looked more gubernatorial than Curtis. And that's why he won. Um, I'll give you an antidote that was, um, 2010, and uh, Mark Dar, who was running in the Republican, uh, can, uh, uh, and this is about time, by the way, the, uh, the Republicans are just, 2010 is when there was the big turnover in Arkansas. That's when we got the majority of the House, majority of the Senate, won all the constitutional offices, I think, except for one um uh, state constitutional offices, and we may have won all of them at that time. It seemed like it was four years later we got the last one, but uh, it was almost, a, if not a clean sweep. And I think the only person that was still standing in 2010 was maybe Mark Pryor. That was it. And there may have been one constitutional officer, Charlie Daniels, and I could be wrong about that. But uh, so, uh, but it was a clean sweep. But Mark Dar was, was running for the, for the Republican nomination and he started about a year and a half and he, uh, I think someone maybe is, I, I don't know, but anyway, he raised, you know, just under a couple hundred thousand dollars. And so, you know, I got to look in and, and I, I looked at running for, pre, uh, for governor and, uh, because nobody was going to run against, uh, Mike Beebe. And I think that would have, would have been, maybe it's 2014, that, that race. You know, I think it was 2010. Uh, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, and so I said, you know, I can't run for governor. I mean, I've never held anything, office or anything. And, uh, but the lieutenant governor's race seemed real attractive to me. One, I was still pastor and wanted to still pastor. And I thought, well, you know, it's a part-time position. I could do that and still pastor. And so I, I end up raising $30,000 for a statewide race. You can't run a district. You can't run a, uh, you, you run a halfway decent, but not, not top notch, uh, state representative race for $30,000. Uh, you know, you, you need probably 50 to run top notch. State representative race. 30 would get you, you know, if you spend it really smart, get you there. But, but 50 is much, much better. I had 30 for a statewide race, 75 counties. And, uh, and so Mardar works for a year and a half. I, on the day before, the day, the deadline, not the beginning, the deadline of filing in March, I, I filed on the, on the day. I mean, a few minutes before noon in it is when I started. I hadn't campaigned. I hadn't done anything. I didn't know where to go. I didn't know anybody. Didn't know anything. Now, uh, I did reach out to a lot of pastors in the, in the 75 counties, but you know, it was one phone call and I didn't get a hold of all 75. 
Mark Dar spent 180,000, let's say, uh, 100 and something thousand, worked for a year and a half, went to all over the state. I, I'm talking about polish and I'm talking about things that, that a lot of times get people elected. Uh, I, I ran March, it was mid or mid-March, maybe into March, March to April, April to May, two months, 60 days, 70 days, something like that. Uh, I ran 70 days. He ran for a year and a half. He had over $100,000, had $30,000. I won 60-something, 60 68 out of 75 counties. Uh, he beat me by 2,200 votes, 2.8-something percent. It was razor thin that uh, out of 120,000 votes, I lost by 2,200 votes. I went to bed and I was up by 2,200. When I woke up, I was down by 2,200. Uh, so you say, what in the world? I'm going to tell you how how simple it was. His name was Dar. So people would go into a polling booth. Because see, 130,000, especially, and I don't remember exactly what he did, but 130,000 doesn't get you much. You can't go on TV for 130,000. You can't send out mail to individuals for 130,000. Uh, uh, social media advertising was almost non-existent at that time or very, very uh, in its infant stages. So really what both of you could do is go around the state. I think he may have sent out one mailer, uh, two at the most. I don't think he sent but one. One mailer, you know, in a statewide race is going to cost you, you know, it's going to cost you uh, $50,000. So, you know, he didn't have enough money to do two. Um, I mean, he could do two, but he wouldn't have money for anything else. So, um, so he works for a year and a half. I work, I'm, I'm talking about polished versus unpolished, but not just that. So often these races are won by things that are just, it just de- defies logic. It, it's it's the razor thin edge that our democracy sits on. So he he runs for a year and a half, raises a hundred and something thousand. I have thirty thousand. I run for ninety days, seventy days. I win sixty out of sixty eight out of seventy five counties. Let me tell you where that race because nobody saw either one of us. I mean, I went to a few places. He went to a lot more places. Uh, so no one saw us. So this wasn't polished versus unpolished. Uh, this was as simple as somebody walking into uh, a voting booth and seeing the word, seeing the name Dar, uh, Mark Dar, going, ah, I've never heard, I don't know. And then my name, Copeland. They go, oh, I bet he's Ken Kenneth Copeland. And I guarantee you it was my name that that got me 60 out of 75 counties. That is how fickle democracy is. I, I'm, I'm consulting on a campaign right now where the guy has a very, very uh, common name. And then the other guy has a very, very uncommon name. Neither one of them had enough money, kind of very similar to um, Mark and I's situation. But the difference in this race, they both have about the same amount of money. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not 
the small amount like I had, but it's not enough to get their name out. And a poll was ran, and one of them was the one with the common name was running away with the race. And and that and I told him I said, you know how simple this is. Your name seems familiar. They know people that has that name, and that's that's why when people are polled, and that's why you'll win this race, and you'll win it going away, because his name is not familiar. That is, but but let's let's go beyond that. Let's let's take two. Uh, people that, that people do see, people do know, people do have some, uh, you know, some, to know something about them, they've heard them speak or whatever. Um, then, then it's, it's not going to be name recognition because both names are recognized. They've had enough money. It's going to be something just as fickle, not last names. It's going to be, man, he just, he just talks better than other guy. He just, you know, I just, I, I, I like his family. His family looks nice. I love that old car, that old truck he drives. Man, that old truck is, you know, I saw it on that commercial. And that boy, his dog, that that iron setter. You know, you don't see many of those anymore. Boy, that thing had the prettiest coat of hair. I'm telling you, it's it's that fickle now. So when we get these, you know, and we get them over and over and over, people who campaign conservative and they vote moderate or worse. Um, and, and, and you know what happens? We're getting what we deserve we're, because we're not doing the research. Most people say, well, they don't have time. No, they're too busy watching The Biggest Loser. They're too busy watching... Uh, American Idol. They're they're watching, uh, uh, you know, the Kardashians, and and instead of taking twenty thirty minutes and saying, okay, who's running for governor? Who's running for secretary of state? Who's running for treasurer? Who's running for uh, Congress? Who's running for Senate? And then doing research on both of those people. They're conservative. I'm talking about the voter. The voter's conservative. That, that, and they want a conservative, and and they're they're mad at people that that stab President Trump in the in the back. But right now you could you could tell people and we have we've told people that Mike Pence stole President uh, stabbed President Trump in the back and they're shocked. Now a lot of people, a lot of your hardcore uh, primary voters, uh, they know it, they get it, and they detest it, and they're going to vote for Dot Washington because of what. Uh, Sarah Huckabee did run around with Mike Pence, but a lot, lot, lot of voters have no clue because they, they, they just don't follow it. They, they don't, they don't have any clue whatsoever. And so that's our, our democracy actually is really, really suffering because we're lazy. We're intellectually lazy. We would rather we would rather watch Biggest Loser, you know. We would rather, uh, you know, man, do all that reading. Uh, we, we would, you know, then do all that reading about this or that and study and dig into it. And uh, and and then, well, I won't understand it. Well, you're not going to understand it if you don't try. Um, and, and that's that's where we are. That's you know. And some of that's, you know, it's, it's, I, I liken it to this a little different, but, 
um, I, I'm constantly amazed at people that goes to a doctor. And the doctor said, oh, well, your blood pressure is high. Let me give you this blood pressure medicine. And, uh, oh, you, you know, you're, you're sure you're pre-diabetic. So we're going to put you on this. Oh, and you're, um, you know, you, you said you're hurting your knees. Yeah. You need some, you need some prednisone. You need some. And those people, the doctor write it out. No, they're paying him good money. He's, you know, he or she's sharp and, and, uh, you know, same, got a nice office and, you know, and, and wears a white coat and looks really, really got a stethoscope around her neck, looks, you know, the part. So they go to CVS, they go to Walgreens, they go to, you know, Kroger, or they go to Walmart and they get their, or wherever you go, prescriptions. And they just pop those pills and take them. Never doing their research about statin drugs. Never doing their research. And I'm not against, I'm not against pharmaceuticals. What I'm against is us taking somebody's word for it and not doing our own research. I don't care how many years you went to, to school. You're not doing surgery on me till I do some research and see that, uh, one, before you do back surgery on me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look and see how successful typically a back surgery is. And you're gonna find not very. And, and whatever else it is, can I change this to more natural things? Can I do it and be less invasive to the body? Can I, can I do something natural? Did you know this? Did you know, and you probably do because you're a real smart audience, but did you know that there's not one pharmaceutical that was not derived from a natural, something natural? And, and the reason is because all the, uh, the natural stuff can't, you know, can't be, um, you know, uh, what's patent, patented. And so what they'll do, they'll make it synthetic that, that is a mock up or is a derivative of, of, of the natural. And then they can patent it and, and make, you know, and I think their patents last what, 10 years and then they can make billions of dollars. But, but that synthetic, there's all kind of drugs and, I mean, different chemicals in there to do, to do things to the body and to fix whether it's the blood pressure or whatever. But the, that's why, uh, when you listen to a commercial, you know, it's 15 minutes of what to do for you and, and 45, uh, 15 seconds of what to do for you, 45 seconds of what to do again, uh, to you. And it's because all those other chemicals that they had to use to synthesize it does something else in the body. Yeah, it can, it can lower your blood pressure, but also it does this, 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 and this. Yeah, we can give you something for depression. Oh, but it may make you suicidal. Well, I was suicidal because I was depressed. Yeah, well, this will get rid of your depression, but in the end, you might become more suicidal. And so, Man, and it doesn't take, you know, now you have the internet. Can you imagine what 20 years ago, 30 years ago, you're, they're give, they're popping, they're giving you pills to pop and you don't have an internet to look and see what they do to you. But now you have the internet. We have no excuse. You know, go to the doctor and, and let him describe, prescribe you a medication. That, that's, that's, that's phenomenal. That's great. That, you know, that's what you ought to do. But then do your research. 
and then find some others, get a second opinion. Say, hey, go to a DO or go to somebody that's more, uh, emphasizes more the natural and say, hey, you know, I've got high blood pressure. What's something alternative? Well, don't just take the alternative ways. It's going to give you a root or it's going to give you some vitamin. Well, don't just take his word for it either because it's natural. Do your research there too. And then also look at, you know, how the pharmaceutical billion, multi, multi billion dollar industry even, uh, changes and alters search, search engine results. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta think about all of it, but, but it's where we are as a, as a nation. We are both very distrustful on one hand, and then we are way too trusting with people. Well, you know, I don't know anything about that. Well, know something about it. I, I don't know about all these bills. I, I can't keep up with it. Well, they can't either, and they're no smarter than you are. Well, I, if, if they say they need $40 billion in the Ukraine, I guess they do. No, they don't. Or at least go research and see if they do. And he, here's a good one for you. If establishment is saying we need it, if the media is saying we need it, if the Democrats are saying we need it, and when I said establishment at the beginning, it was Republicans. When Democrats say we need it, when the Republican establishment says we need it, and when the media says we need it, we don't need it. And when all three of those say we don't need it, we do need it. So they're all, everybody's on board with Ukraine. Check it out. Do your due diligence before you start flying your blue and yellow flag. I'm not saying Russia's the end all be all are is uh, innocent or uh, shouldn't be stopped. I'm just saying, you know, before you start flying your blue and yellow flag, you, you, you need to do your research. And I, and I don't know. I, I don't. What I do know is we're watching the Kardashians and big loser and, Honey boo boo, when we ought to be doing research, you're popping, you, you'll take six or eight pills tonight and, and pop them and, you know, watch Honey boo boo. I don't know if she's even on anymore. I think that's her name. Um, well, I'm sounding really old right there, right? But you will, we'll pop that stuff. Did you, did you research that? No, doctor said I need it. Well, you don't think you know, you don't think he gets a kickback from 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 prescribing that stuff? Sure he does. You don't think he's got you know that's why they pump out metformin and insulin and all this stuff just like you know like it's candy. Uh, speaking of insulin, uh, you know I still hadn't forgotten that President Trump lowered I mean drastically. Signed in to executive order to drop insulin and, and EpiPens drastically. And one of the first things you got to think about this stuff. Why? You know, somebody said one time, if you can get the why, you'll figure out the how. Now that's when you want to do something. That's when you're wanting to figure, you know, I can't. Well, if you get the why right, if, if, if the why matters, 
you'll figure out the how. But I'm going to tell you, we, we need to be looking at the why. We, we need to become more curious. Well, the greatest signs of intelligence is curiosity. And, and we need to, we need to practice. Listen, you don't have to have a doctorate degree. You don't have to have a bachelor, a master's or even a bachelor's. Uh, but, but you do need to be curious. What am I putting in my body? What will it do to my body? You know, what, what, are, what are the teachers teaching my kids? Uh, who is my kids hanging around with? My, my seven year old is going to spend the night with so and so. Have you ever checked? And I'm not, I'm not, please don't think I'm preaching to you when I say you. I'm not talking about you as the artist. I'm talking about in general. But, and, and I've been guilty of it. When my boys were little, when my wife and I's boys were little, they're 34, 35, and 36 now. But they would go home with people. And that was a little different time, but it wasn't, you know, is what, 30 years ago. Well, a little longer than that because they were, you know, obviously they didn't go any, spend out with somebody at four, but seven or eight, you better know who they're going home with. Well, that's, that's, you know, that's Karen's sister and her husband. Well, you, you better do a background check on Karen and her husband. I'm telling you. Uh, Become, we've got to become curious. We've got to become curious about politics. You know, uh, we've got to become curious about uh, our health. We've got to be curious about finance. I read something the night, and I'm not, I'm not going to spend much more time on this because I've been ranting and raving on this for a while, but I, I, I love this subject anyway, so I hope you're enjoying it. Uh, but I read it the other night, and I thought this was fascinating. Now, i got to dig into it, but I'm going to give it to you here just surface. And this multi, multi, actually billionaire, here's what he said. He said, I don't own a home. He said, I rent my home. And I'm like, well, I thought people that had financial problems or people that were in transition or people building wealth, you know, people that are less, not, not, uh, irresponsible financially or anything like that, or maybe, you know, have bad credit. I don't mean it that way, but just something in life has kept them Whatever it may be, maybe just their mobility or, 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 or whatever, or youth or building credit that they've never had credit. But you know, we've been taught if you don't own a house, there's something wrong, especially if you're of age, you know, you're, you're 30 or 35 and you've never owned a home. There's something wrong with that feller, <laughs> feller. Uh, and this billionaire said, he said, you know what? He said, I, I own property everywhere. That people rent from me, but I never spend my money on somewhere to live. I'm not paying interest. Uh, I'm not paying maintenance on, on something. I'll pay maintenance and I'll pay interest and I'll pay, um, property taxes and all that on something that somebody's paying me. And some of that has to go to that. But he said, I get no benefit out of a home. So why would I ever buy a home? And I thought about that. I mean, he could pay cash for any home he wanted anywhere. And, uh, well, that made me curious. And, and we've been looking at downsizing. We got a, you know, really big home. And when our boys were living here and, uh, you know, it was, it was a great place to raise our children. But now it's just my wife and I. And, you know, you got, you know, almost 3,000 square feet and you, you know, you got 1,500 square feet apiece. And we live in two rooms of the house or three with my studio here. So, um, 
you know, it makes no sense. But now I'm looking at, man, I think I want to rent. I don't think I want to buy. But it's like, man, you know, what are people going to think about you if you rent? I mean, when somebody asks you, do you own your home? And you go, no, I rent. Oh, okay. Hmm. You see, you see and, and yet renting may, I hadn't dug into it yet. It may make much more sense financially long haul ever than, 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 uh, buying. And so I, I just, I think we have to, we have to become more curious and, 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 you know, we've heard this a lot and, and I kind of, I guess I can kind of see it in some ways. Um, but I, I think, um, we, uh, not only do we have to become more curious, I think we have to be more substantive and, and it has to be about the substance than the style. I think curiosity is important, but I think the substance is important. Uh, we'll be right back. We're going to switch gears and talk about, uh, some more stuff here. Uh, I want to talk to you about the pragmatist and the idealist versus the idealist. Uh, great piece, about a two and a half minute, uh, piece that, uh, I picked up today. Actually, Doc sent to me, uh, and I think you'll find it just very, very illuminating. Thank you for, uh, hanging with us. We'll be right back. We talk a lot about pushing back against the overreach of the federal government. What better example would there be than Obamacare? Are you like most Americans? Did Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high co-pays keep you from going to the doctor? If you answered yes to any of these questions... You need to go to a website called MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. When you click on MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, you see the big, bold letters, Affordable Plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. And then that big, beautiful red button that says Schedule Call Now. You click on the red button, you book a free consultation with my friend, Art Wilborn, He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage, and he also makes sure that your personalized health coverage gives you a plan that doesn't force you to cover things like abortion, horrible things which would deeply offend your deeply held religious beliefs. MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, affordable plans, save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. Click the big red button, schedule a call now, book a free consultation with Art Wilborn, you make sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance at MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. All right, let me ask you this. Does your financial advisor take the time to listen and get to know you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situations change? When you work with Jonathan Presswood, he focuses on what's important to you. He uses an established process to help you achieve your unique goals, whether that's preparing for retirement, making your money last in retirement, planning your estate or inheritance, preparing for the unexpected, or anything else. Jonathan Presswood can help. Now, what should you do if you leave a job and have a 401k or other retirement plan? Or if you're getting close to retirement or already in retirement? 
Call my friend Jonathan Presswood today. He'll help you create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And he'll partner together with you to help your strategy stay on track no matter what life throws at you. Listen, we can all dream of having a perfect retirement, but how many of us will actually experience it? No matter where you are today, Jonathan Presswood is offering a free retirement analysis to figure out where you'd like to be and what it will take to get you there, and there's no obligation. Contact Jonathan Presswood, a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, today at 501-303-4844. Again, that's 501-303-4844. Don't wait. Call Jonathan Presswood today at 501-303-4844. Now, if you're like me, you can't remember phone numbers, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Just click on the link to Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. All right. And uh, we're going to delve into the pragmatists versus the idealist. And uh, I got a few uh, news items here I wanted to bounce off of you. Uh, so what I want to do is I want to take um, I want to take just a minute, play you this clip. This is actually from a global. Uh, it, it was from a, actually a podcast, and I'll try to get you that um, here just a minute. Trade for ideologues. Overplay that. Uh, it's the Dilling Pod podcast, and the name of the the name of the uh, not podcast, but this particular um, segment is is called the Global Palace Coup. And uh, but the the part I wanted you to get uh, today is the part about the difference between. You and I, the the pragmatists, we look at life and say, hey, you know, you you can want everybody to have free college, but it's not pragmatic. It's it doesn't make sense. Uh, it's not common sense. Um, and then the idealist says, everybody, you know, Bernie Sanders, everybody should have, um, everybody should have free college. And and he he delves into and it's just it's just two hours I mean sorry two minutes and twenty seconds fascinating stuff so hang on when they think they're winning that's a very common trait for ideologues and the reason arrogance the reason why that happens is is right down to why what happens when you believe in an ideology in dogma when you adopt a dogma an ideology with which you're seeking to change reality yeah so think for example. Communists who believe in dialectical materialism. And change only occurs when you encourage conflict through, through the Hegelian dialect. Yeah? And you encourage that conflict, exploit that conflict, and the, and, the, and the unease that comes, and then bring a solution. So you're working to certain ideological dogma about what reality looks like through a lens of ideas you've adopted, this idealism that you have for the future. It's why most of those types of people usually become tyrants, because they're blind to reality. They're thinking just in terms of their dogma. There's a weak spot there, a huge weakness. When dogma defines your behavior, you're no longer looking at reality to define your behavior. So you're going to be less pragmatic and more dogmatic because you're led by ideology and dogma. That leaves serious blind spots. You end up not seeing reality for what it is. And that's why they overplay their hand because they're not looking to reality. They're looking to their dream, right? Their ideal, which is actually a nightmare. So there's one great thing that happened over COVID 
and that is they overplayed their hand, and they exposed themselves to everybody here in this room. Yeah? Now, there's now very little doubt among people that have heard of the World Economic Forum that it's attempting to influence how we do government and politics in this country, even though Klaus Schwab is a British. Right? Why do we have an unelected bureaucrat and a foreign one at that, yeah, telling us how to live our lives in Britain? It doesn't make sense. And then you go further. Why do they all appear to be beholden to this unelected foreign bureaucrat? Why do they all appear to be doing this man's bidding? And when you start thinking of things in that way, you think, why can't they just say no and start digging a bit more? You then realize what Epstein's black book was about. They can't say no because there are they talk about compromat, compromising material and information, political blackmail, or you then get Epstein if you don't agree, suicided. It becomes that's when you start realizing that this is a global palace coup. And, and that's the bottom line. It is. It was an attempted coup of, of all governmental systems, not just America, this, this COVID thing. And it's not the last one. That's, that's the thing that we need to understand that this, this is not the end. And that's why, again, it becomes so important who we elect because it's not just one, uh, you know, one uh, epidemic. It's going to be continual. We're going to, there's going to be one after another that's going to happen and another one after that. And so you better have and we better have and you better have a governor. You better have a senator. You better have a president. You better have somebody that will stand up. Because there is a global system. That's why I think Pennsylvania uh, is so short-sighted in electing either, either David McCormick or Mehmet Oz. is because either one of those guys uh, will eventually succumb to the globalists. And that includes the... Uh, Climate change, uh, religion. It, uh, it, it includes, uh, uh, the, you know, billions, if not trillions of dollars going to, uh, other countries. And, and that's, you know, that, that's what you get. Uh, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene had a, a tweet and she said, uh, the U.S. needs to stop all funding to the WHO, World Health Organization. Uh, and Trump, if I remember right, Trump did stop the funding to the WHO, but didn't, um, he didn't continue it. He, he did it temporarily. He threatened. Uh, and that's, that's somewhat disturbing, to be quite honest with you. Uh, so, uh, I'm looking here at, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that that President Trump temporarily started uh, stopped funding to the who he used it in a, if I remember right, in some type of negotiation. Um, but but at the end of the day, you know, he certainly didn't. Uh, it, it didn't continue. 
and and I think there just needs to be uh, a realization that this is so much more than a few people wanting to overtake the country and communism or socialism. This is a world uh, domination. This is a world control that is uh, that's been attempted. The um, pro-abortion extremists are threatening to burn down or storm the Supreme Court. This is uh, actually uh, the, the this was you know they, they've been talking about this. Uh, pro-abortion extremists are threatening to burn down. This is from Margaret uh, Mary Margaret Olahan. And murder justices and their clerks with DHS, Department of Homeland Security, also notes that the generalized philosophic embrace of violent tactics does not constitute domestic violent extremism or illegal activity. Well, unless it was a conservative. The big picture law enforcement agencies are investigating social media threats to burn down or storm the Supreme Court building. And, and believe me, they... They will burn it down, and Joe Biden then will let them burn it down. Uh, and murder justices and their clerks, as well as attack, uh, attacking places of worship and abortion clinics. Um, details. The unclassified May 13 memo by DHS intelligence says threats that follow the leak of a draft opinion targeting Supreme Court justices, lawmakers, and other public officials, as well as clergy and healthcare providers, are likely to persist and may increase leading to and following the issuing of the court's official ruling. Context, abortion-related violence historically has been driven by anti-abortion extremists. Uh, some racially or ethnically um, motivated violent extremists embrace pro-life narratives may be linked to the perception of wanting to save white children and fight white genocide, the memo also says. So the memo says that uh, it's it's the conservatives that uh, are driven to extremes, really. They didn't watch much of 2021, did they? Um, but the memo warns that this time, warns this time. In other words, most of the time it's always the, the, you know, white folks and it's the white nationalists and it's the right wingers. But the memo warns that this time extremist acts could come from the abortion rights, uh, abortion rights proponents as well. But, but, but the mere advocacy, this is in the report, the mere advocacy, quote, a political or social positions, political act, activism, use of strong rhetoric, or generalized philosophic embrace of violent tactics does not constitute domestic violent extremism or illegal activity, and it's constitutionally protected. Now, I agree with the constitutionally protected, no doubt about it. My problem is, is you got to equally apply those guidelines and you have not been doing so there are people that are uh, regularly imprisoned and arrested and harassed uh, because they uh, promote and sometimes maybe even extreme but this is a leaked memo that i just read to you 
shows that DHS is preparing for potential violence following abortion ruling. And I'm telling you, every, every church, every daycare, every place, because these people are, listen, if you'll kill a baby, there's nothing you won't do. If you, if you advocate for killing children in the womb, there's very little you would do. And that's not a all encompass. I know there are people that, uh, again, it goes back to that not uh, doing their research. Cause, cause here's the thing. When I talk about not doing research, how many times have you heard, and I'm going to do a show on rejecting the premise of a question because I believe that is conservatives. Number one, I believe that's their Achilles heel is we accept whether it's in an interview or whether it's in exchange with a neighbor, a friend or, or a loved one. We tend to accept the premise of faulty questions like, do you believe in, so you believe all abortions should be legal? I do. So you believe that, uh, abortion to save the life of the mother is uh, illegal? You, you, you just let them both die? Well, well, and see if they can get you to admit to that, they have you. But here's the problem. And that's what I'm going to talk about uh, in, in a, in an upcoming episode is the premise of that question. And so what you have to start doing is you have to s- stop accepting the premise of questions that are wrong on their face. And let me explain, like um, abortion. So you believe, and, and I'm going to tell you, folks, Doc is the one that, that changed my mind on this. And when I say changed my mind, I was always like, I mean, strong, strong against abortion. But I'm like, man, I, I don't know what to do about it. I never said, oh, no, I'm, I'm for it or I'm not for it. But I don't know what you do when it's it's the mother's lives at stake. And And Doc... Uh, clarified it for me. He said, really? He said, you think killing a child in the womb will somehow save the mother? Name me one incident where that has happened. And you can't name one. And I th- I'm thinking, that's impossible. Then he quoted, uh, Dr. Coop, C, uh, C. Everett Coop, who was Surgeon General under George H.W. Bush. And he said, in my 36 years of being a uh, pediatrician, I never once uh, saw a situation where a baby needed to be aborted to save the mother. He said, it doesn't exist. Now, think about it. One, think about that from a natural standpoint. Uh, What possibly could there be that you take the life of somebody a child in the womb and it saves a mother's life. Quite the opposite. When you are killing a child, there's something, um, that's transformational much beyond just trading one life for the other. Uh, and that's enough. But, but the trauma to the body of, of the, of the mother to, to kill a child, the psychological trauma, is is unbelievable because it's 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 a life and God didn't God never designed it to take that child's life. You know the people that that took the ch- lives of children in in the Bible, 
were the the Moabites the, the, to the God of Molech, and they were they were the most despised people in God's eyes because they killed children. So where does that leave us? But Doc uh, said, you know, and, and, and then I got thinking about it. Well, now if if you if you took a child at you know pre uh, viability. Because you said, you know, the mother's blood, the, the child's, you know, is, is wrapped, you know, is sitting on a main artery, whatever. I, I, I don't know enough about medicine, but something to where you had to get the child out. It was causing some problem and the mother was going to die. So you, you, you're, you're delivering the child and maybe it's a, Pre-viability is not viable as a as a infant that can't live on its own. Although children now are living at, I think, you know, I, I mean, I, I've literally seen children that I've visited in the hospital that were so tiny they could fit in a shoe smaller than a shoebox, and and I saw a child one time that was literally transparent, and uh, you could see its organs. You could see, I mean, it was it was that underdeveloped. And I'm sitting, my wife and I are sitting in a restaurant one night and, and my apologies to our friend on here that doesn't like me telling these personal stories, but this, this goes to the point. So I hope it's okay. Um, and, and this man walks over and he said, uh, and my wife and I are, you know, having dinner and this guy walks over and, and he said, uh, I, I wanted to introduce you to somebody. And I said, yeah. And he said, uh, he said, this is my grandson, Connor. I said, oh, hey, Connor, how you doing, buddy? He said, you don't remember Connor, do you? I said, no. I said, I, I don't think I've met Connor. He said, yeah, you did. He said, when Connor was born, he said, you came to the hospital and, and prayed with him and his mom. And uh, he said, uh, this is him. And he's, you know, 12 years old, 10, 12 years old, you know, totally, totally healthy young man. And when last time I saw him, he, he could have fit in something smaller than a shoebox and was transparent. You could see his organs through his skin. And I was just, I was amazed. I, I, I think of that story all the time. And so if, if a child is taken really early because it's, and that child doesn't make it despite every effort, that, that still wasn't an abortion. You took the child way too early, but you didn't have a choice. But that's so different than saying, okay, we got to save the mother's life. So we're going to go in and crush the skull of this child and we're going to inject the mother with saline solution and burn the child alive and then deliver it, you know, burnt to a crisp or pulled apart. That's so different. That's, that's not even close to the same thing. And you may even have to deliver a child at such a young age that even like little Connor, it's, you know, it's, it's, it would be almost beyond comprehension if that child were to, to, to live. Uh, but if, if that's the only choice you had, but that even that, from what I understand, is very, very rare. Uh, so I think, you know, again, I think we have to, but to be very careful about accepting the premise uh, of questions. Um, this kind of goes back to my 
point I made earlier about Trump and the insulin, the EpiPens, um, the dank knight on Twitter said, remember when Trump made insulin and EpiPens affordable for all and Biden canceled the order the minute he walked into office. I remember. Um, now ask yourself again, we go back to curiosity. We have to become more curious. Can you read that story and say, okay, why, why did, and I've not, to be quite honest, I've not, but, but I'm going to now. But, uh, why, I think I know. I think it's, you know, it's, it's one of two things. Why Biden did this. I think one, it's part of the create chaos, create anger, uh, it's part of that whole turning us against each other. But I think this one actually is more uh, of the human condition and less conspiratorial. And that is he's beholden to his donors who are the Moderna's and the J&J, Johnson Johnson's and the Pfizer's. And, and I think, you know, they, they complained to him, said, man, we're not making any money with this insulin EpiPens after what Trump did. I think it's that, you know, greedy. Any, I'm sure he got, you know, Hunter got something for it. Uh, there's a, I don't think I'm going to uh, play this because one, my audio is just so terrible. Two, uh, I, I've not had a chance to review it and I don't want there to be something that yeah, our audience probably, you know, would choose not, some would choose not to listen to. But it's basically a angry North Reading, uh, Massachusetts parent pushes back on school committee's setting of racist grooming, uh, DEI as major policy. And, uh, and basically she's telling what this curriculum is and literally that's being taught in their schools and she's cut off or Mike is cut off and she's asked to sit down because the information is uh, too sensitive for a school board meeting which is attended by almost all adults when you were having that actually taught in to students in a school class. Now that's irony right there. Dank Knight goes on. I'm, I'm jumping around here, but Dank Knight goes on, uh, about, you know, he's the same one that mentioned the EpiPens and the insulin. He said, remember when Biden immediately shut down two pipelines and approved Russia's pipeline and everyone said it would cause fuel prices to uh, skyrocket? I remember. And now Biden is trying to blame Putin for how fuel uh, prices, uh, and idiots are actually buying his nonsense. Man, it's just, it's true. So true. Uh, there's a, there's a great story about, uh, let me see here. There's a story in the, um, let me see where it is. Is it in Detroit Free Press? You remember, you remember the, there's a story of a, 
a young black guy, and he's and you may or not. I don't I don't normally watch this kind of stuff. Um, but there's a young black guy, and I believe he was a worker. No, 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 no. He was a patient. I think they first reported him as a worker, but he was actually uh, criminally, or, or well, let me say, I don't know about criminally insane, but uh, he was very, very, uh, he was schizophrenic, b- big young man, and he just climbs on top of this elderly white guy and just beats him. I, I, I don't remember if the man died or not. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm looking here to see if he actually uh, he actually died. But anyway, um, and I, I don't encourage you to watch the video. I, I didn't watch it. I saw what it was, and I saw the very beginning of it, and I cut it off. I just can't watch that. But it's this young man on top of this elderly person in a nursing home. They're both patients, and he is just... Pound him in the face with his fist as hard as he can. Now, this is Bonchi, uh, says the charges are being dropped, uh, on Jaden Hayden. Um, uh, the charges are being dropped. Now, the charges being dropped here is not the story. The guy's in a psych facility because he's legitimately insane. The true story here is that Gretchen Whitmer, remember that name? Governor of, of Michigan sent a known insane person to a nursing home to recover from COVID under her policies. A, you sent somebody with COVID into a place where the most vulnerable to COVID lived. B, this guy was criminally insane. Uh, let me read something to you. The elder... Uh, this is Jaden Hayden's father. The elder uh, held Hayden, Jaden Hayden's dad, blamed social workers for putting his mentally ill son in a nursing home. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jaden Hayden, who had a history of violent behavior, was living in a group home in May of 2020 when he told his father he was hearing voices. According to his father, he was sent to the University of Michigan Hospital in Ann Arbor where he was diagnosed with COVID-19 and inexplicably sent to the nursing home to recover. Porner told uh, Click on Detroit last year that the nursing home had just opened a COVID unit, and that's why it had uh, accepted uh, Jaden Hayden. And so... uh, so you know who needs to be sued to into the next millennium is Gretchen Whitmer. You're exactly right. Uh, Daniel Horowitz uh, says something. I mentioned this earlier about don't think for a minute this is the last pandemic. You better get governors. You better get senators. You better get congressmen. That, uh, our, our congresswomen, congress, uh, our, our, uh, whatever, congressmen and senators. For the next virus they unleash, our immediate response should be, who is responsible? How do you treat it? Then we execute those who created it. 
the focus this time is on them, not on us. Absolutely. People should have been hung at the gallows for, for what happened. Um, let's see. Uh, Stephen, Steve Dees, he's a great follow. Um, there was a UK study of 94 schools, 1105 families, 3,253 children. Um, COVID-19 pandemic policies diversely affected children's literacy and math skills, communication, language, physical development, personal, social, emotional development, on and on and on. Um, and Stephen D says the dumbest and most immoral management decision in human history. Now, there's nobody on the planet a bigger advocate than, than I am of Donald Trump. And, and I'm going to be very careful here, not because I'm scared of alienating you, because that's the thing about the Trump voter. They're, they're not monolithic. They're, they're very independent thinkers. I.e. when Trump goes to Georgia and, uh, opines about the vaccine, he starts getting booed. Um, and we've seen that with even Mehmet Oz in, um, Pennsylvania. He was not the top vote getter. Now, he may end up winning the race, but it was David McCormick because a lot of people said, look, man, I like you, President Trump, but David McCormick's a hedge fund manager. Uh, I'm not voting for him. I'm sorry, Mehmet Oz is a, uh, is a, you know, celebrity and he was a Democrat 15 minutes ago. I'm not voting for him. You can endorse me if you want to. So th- this idea that the Trump voter just blindly walks off the cliff because President Trump says to nothing could be farther from the truth. Further, further from the truth. Um, so Stephen Deese talks about the dumbest and most immoral management decision in human history. Here's where I really fault President Trump. And, and I, I, you see this on over and over in his presidency is, and, 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 and I think some of this is he, he did not, uh, he, he did not, um, Probably one, uh, and, and it's easy to do this from, from rear mirror, from, from hindsight. Um, so, so anybody could have, you know, really blown it as far as with, with this, but I think anything to do with, uh, you know, a disease, uh, one is you listen to experts, but I think, and, and then a, a, a myriad of experts. There was a lot of experts like Dr. Zelenko. There was like Peter McCullough, like Dr. Malone. There were a lot of doctors. I would have brought in these doctors. I stayed up all night and brought these doctors into the White House and listened to them instead of just, uh, you know, Anthony Fauci, who was no, nothing but a, uh, you know, a little tyrant. Uh, and, and the lady, I can't remember her name now, it doesn't matter. But just, just blindly following them. And I think if there was anything that, that made President Trump's 
four years worth it was. And, and there was a lot because I, I, I thought he did a great job, but, but I think, uh, not realizing the manipulation that was going forth with, with COVID. Maybe, maybe he knew more than I think he knows, but trusting bureaucrats, allowing bureaucrats, you know, not cleaning out all the bureaucrats. Think about it. All the trouble that President Trump has had in his presidency was from the administrative state. Uh, speaking of administrative state, there's a huge, uh, a huge, uh, decision came down from, I believe, a circuit court. And, uh, it was, it, it was concerning the SEC, uh, Securities and Exchange Commission. You know, they have their own court, which is constitutionally illegal. They have their own legal system, which is constitutionally illegal. But see, the, the administrative state has taken over this nation, but they haven't just taken over this nation. The administrative state has taken over states. Listen, Asa Hutchinson did not run the state of Arkansas. Uh, unless Doc Washburn is elected, uh, if, if Sarah Huckabee Sanders were to win the governorship, she will not be the, the governor. It, it will be the administrative state. It's the, it's the, uh, the county, uh, county judge association. It's the municipal, municipality league. Uh, it is the employers unions, uh, or, or associations. Uh, it is the teachers uh, union, teachers association. Uh, it is the chamber of commerce. It is Walmart. It is Tyson food. It is Axiom, uh, uh and whomever else, uh, Stevens, those people, they run the state of Arkansas and they run every other state and they run the nation because we have grown government to a place that it's not operable and it, it begins to, uh, it, it was, cre- it, it was grown to, uh, profit the people that grew it. It was grown in a way to, uh, to be a self, uh, perpetuating, uh, teat, if you will, for people to get on and stay on it for 40 years. Um, and so you've got people that are not necessarily particularly skilled making a hundred thousand dollars a year. You've got a guy that literally just left the state legislature, uh, in the state of Arkansas for numerous years, maybe eight or 10 years, something like that. Yeah. The guy's an engineer, so he's not like he's broke. Uh, but that doesn't matter. Are we broke or not broke? He became the vi- vice chancellor of the, uh, University of Arkansas medical sciences system, a vice, vice chancellor who's an engineer and he's really just a lobbyist. And so what he's going to do, he's going to go back to the legislature, lobby for the things, University of Arkansas medical, uh, sciences, and medical center wants and he's got the title of vice uh 
what I'd say, chancellor and $240,000 a year and probably company car, you know, Cadillac health plan, on and on and on. Uh, the head of the UAMS system makes uh, Cam Phillips maybe $1.6 million a year and was pumping out stories to the local media that ivermectin was horse pace. That, that's what you're dealing with and people shouldn't take it. Um, and so you have this, you know, listen, leaders are only, they're only as good as their last, uh, tragedy, their last crisis that they manage. A leader's job is to see, uh, what's coming out of the pike. If he's reacting like everybody else, He's in trouble. He's got to be thinking. She's got to be thinking. If this were to happen, what do I do? If this were to take place, what would I do? And you got to have people in place that are thinking and they're reacting instantly when things take place. So, um, you know, it's no, no doubt the, the mask and all these things that happen are just really, really um, you know, sad and, uh, I don't know that we'll ever, I don't think we'll ever totally recover. Um, I really don't. I really don't. We're going to go ahead and do our tweet of the day, uh, today. We're going to wrap it up. We're going to do our, I tell you what, let me do, I want to come back to that here in just a second. Let me, give me two seconds here. Uh, I've got something here. Here we go. Hey, I'd like to help you with some health issues. You have migraines, neck pain, back pain, vertigo, acid reflux, eczema, problems with your blood sugar, maybe even hay fever. Okay, let's do a little test. Look at the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you tilting your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and hay fever. Let me explain to you how it works because it's the best kept secret in American healthcare. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, reproductive system, circulatory system, even digestive system. And yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, acid reflux, eczema, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar. Do yourself a favor. If you're in Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center 501-279-2009 for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted, because you probably do. You're outside Central Arkansas. Go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. I sure hope you can, too. Hey, our Tweet of the Day is brought to you by Red River Your Way, and uh, that's a car dealership that when Dot uh, Dot Washburn lost his job 
they uh, instantly uh, called us and said, hey, man, we want to want to support whatever you guys are doing. And so uh, I'm uh, I'm very, very uh, thankful to these guys so very much. And uh, they have it's just been um, super to work with. Uh, and so I'm, uh, I'm very thankful for Red River Your Way, Mitch Ward. Uh, and so if you need a car, go to Red River Your Way. Look on there. Pick out the car you want. Figure out your financing. they got financing, all kind of options there. Get it figured out. Then once you get that figured out, they're going to deliver that car wherever you live. It's the 21st century way of buying a car. No longer do you have to go to a car lot and put up with all the haranguing and all the hassling. Just go online. Do it from the comfort of your home. Drinking your cup of coffee. And uh, so anyway... So anyway, it's uh, good stuff. So uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some. I just got this from Doc uh, at 150, and he said, you know what? He said uh, this was a guy. His name's Cicerova. He's making waves. And he said, uh, while that I didn't even know that the drive time guy who was fired because he refused. Uh, to, to Vax was in the race for governor until I voted for him in the primary today. Um, and so <laughs> I, I really think t- Tuesday night's going to be, uh, epic. I think it's going to be special. I don't know what happens. Uh, you know, it's, it's almost inconceivable. Listen, if, if, uh, uh, Richie was uh, was was eighty to one odds to win the Kentucky Derby. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's 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 we're probably at one hundred forty to one odds uh, to win the governorship. Stranger things have happened, and uh, appreciate you supporting Dot Washburn. Uh, you can go to elect.washburn.com and uh, you can donate if you would like to do so. You can go to dotwashburnshow.com and just support the show. Become a patron. Give five, ten bucks a month or whatever you feel like giving. And then uh, also I want to mention a couple of other guys that we are helping kind of on the side. You know, we spend 90% of our time helping Doc, but we've got a couple of guys that are running against incumbents who have voted for every tax increase, uh, and these are Republicans. So we we recruited Republicans to run against them. These are just hardworking guys. One's a farmer. One's an insurance agent. Uh, one is Greg Bland. He's running against Marcus Richmond, who is the majority leader in the House of Representatives of the state of Arkansas. Greg Bland is running against him. Greg's never ran for office in his life. He's knocked over 4,000 doors. You can go to gregbland.net and, uh, I'd like to get him probably $500 to get him over the top and, uh, get him to a runoff. I think there's a very good chance because there's three guys in the race. Uh, if we can get him to, you know, he was at like 20, 25%. If we can get him, you know, on up there. Uh, and, and another $500 just may do it. So, you know, if you can drop in a 50 or a hundred bucks 
And man, if we just had a few of you do that, gregbland.net, and you can go to his uh, giving there and help him. Also, uh, Bruce Emerson is running against a guy by the name of Jack uh, uh, Foster, I think is the name. Fortner, Jack Fortner, and Bruce Emerson's turkey farmer up in northwest Arkansas and uh, been a longtime friend of mine. And uh, he was actually at an event of the day, and he called me, he said, man, I'm so mad. I said, why is that? He said, because Jack Fortner got up at this event and said that, uh, he said, even God couldn't beat uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and Dot Washburn certainly not going to beat her. So everybody there got upset at him for saying that, you know, one, being so disrespectful to God, two, you know, weighing in to a, to a primary, uh, as, as a state representative. Um, and so I really want to help Bruce win that race. So you can go to, uh, Bruce Emerson for the, the number four Arkansas. Uh, let me make sure I got that right for you. I'm going to post both of those on the Dot Washburn show, uh, both of theirs, so you can help uh, both of them. Uh, let me see. I think it's Bruce, uh, Bruce Emerson for. But uh, I want to encourage you to go and help both of these guys because I think they can really – uh, I think they, the, the, and Bruce, Bruce may win outright because it's just a two man race. I think Bruce may, may win it, uh, outright. It's, it's Emerson four, the number four. Emerson, E, E, M, E, R, S, O, N. Emerson four, letter four. I'm sorry, number four, Arkansas. I go on there and probably another 500 bucks will get Bruce where he needs to be. 500 bucks will get, uh, Scott, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Greg to the runoff and, uh, appreciate you so much. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for, uh, hanging with me. Thank you for all you guys that hung in here with me tonight. We appreciate you so very much. You're, you're awesome. And we're just so very thankful for you. And, uh, Chris had to go to bed. I, uh, <laughs> so, uh, I'm, uh, I'm just very thankful for all of you. I'm looking here at a long list of people that hung with me tonight as I made the podcast for tomorrow, but I'm so thankful for you and, uh, I'll see you tomorrow. We'll be doing it again. And then after that, we will be, uh, we'll be off for the weekend and I'm going to try to have Doc on, uh, I may try to have him on tomorrow. He's got a lighter schedule tomorrow. So I'm going to try to have him on tomorrow and uh, see how that goes. Uh, so tune in and uh, for the interview. I've not done any interviews from uh, this setup over here, so it'll be a little bit different. Uh, so uh, it, and also, if you wanted to hit me up on social media, it's at Donnie Copeland for Twitter, for Truth Social, for, uh, let's see, for Facebook. Uh, pretty much all, all of those. Also, if you want to hit me up with an email, drop me an email at copeland.donnie at gmail.com. It's copeland.donnie at gmail.com. Uh, Would love to hear from you. you. Got a question? Go ahead and drop that in the comments and I will, uh, I mean, in, just send me an email. I'll make sure that I, I get right back with you 
and would love to visit with you and just uh, touch base with you. Again, uh, don't forget about Greg Bland at uh, gregbland.net. Also, Emerson for Arkansas. Go on there and give these guys a little bit of help. And then elect.washburn.com, or you can go to the show. If you have any questions about the show or about the sponsors, you can go to 